Hey guys, before we get into the episode, you all know I'm a huge fan of fashion and I have been ever since I was a little girl. And my first job, by the way, was actually at Macy's. And my love for fashion began when I started there because I worked in the fragrance department, but of course my eye was always on the clothes and the makeup and everything related to style. But here's the thing, my relationship with Macy's didn't end once my days of asking people walking by if they wanted a sample of the latest scents came to an end. Nearly 20 years later, I still find myself choosing Macy's time and time again for literally everything. It's become a really beautiful full circle moment that they've been such amazing supporters of our show for so long. And when it comes to shopping, they have everything you need, whether I need a last minute outfit or Kevin needs a last minute outfit for our friend's wedding. We always head to Macy's. They've got us covered. So if you're in need of some retail therapy, perhaps, or looking to spruce up your home or your lifestyle, check out Macy's friends. I've curated a list of some of my favorite items that have helped me upgrade so many parts of my life, really my fashion the most, but of course home and baby and so much more. So check the link in the description and happy shopping Hill Squad. I'm on a journey to heal and get better in all areas of life. And I want to do it with you. Welcome to Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, where we improve and heal all parts of our lives, most importantly, our health. Heal Squad by Maria Menounos, your life improvement series starts now. Hello, hello, friends. It's going to be a great day because we're going to learn all about dating and relationships and so much more. When you know better, you get better. That's what we do here every single day on Heal Squad. Uh, Today, we have a quote that we're going to start with. You can't connect the dots going forward. You can only connect them looking backwards. So you have to trust that somehow the dots will connect in your future. You have to trust in something. And that is Steve Jobs. Heel Squad, welcome back. And welcome to our new studio. We're very excited about it. Um, we have an amazing guest in studio today, Shan Boudram. <laughs> we, uh, we're going to be chatting all about relationships, and so much more. Um, Shan Boudram is the internet's most sought after certified sex educator, dating coach, relationship and intimacy expert. Uh, Boudram first made her way onto the scene as the host of MTV's Guide to Sex. Then she solidified her status as the go-to girl in the dating space. She's a best-selling author and host of the top relationship podcast, Lovers and Friends with Shan Boudram. Shan's an ambassador for AIDS Healthcare Foundation and womenshealth.gov. And she's also an a member of the American Sexual Health Association. Uh, Before we get into our chat today, I want to make sure you guys know that um, you can leave us uh, a review on Apple Podcasts by going in the summary of this episode. Um, If you'd be so kind to give us a five-star review, of course, we love that. Um, But we love to hear how the show is helping you or um, how much you're loving it. Uh, we have our merch on mariamenunos.com, so you can get your Heel Squad mug. Um, mine has my lipstick all over it, um, and so much more. And then, of course, macy's.com backslash Heel Squad for any of the curated picks that I have there. I'm going on vacation soon, so I have a lot of vacation picks on there for you guys, um, and so much more. So now that all that's out of the way. You started with my favorite quote of all time. Did you know that? Well, I know that Kelsey probably knows that. And that's so why Kelsey does it. know that. Great, <laughs> great first date Got technique. You. I love that. Good, right? I'm wide open now. <laughs> All right, let's do this. 
When you're on the go 24-7 like me, guys, finding ways to make life easier is so important for my health and sanity. (laughs) And that's exactly what my friends at Macy's do for me. From working there as a teenager to now going to them for so many of my daily essentials, it's been my go-to for so many years. And having everything in one place is such a time saver for me. With being a first-time mom, for a while now, as you know, I've had plenty of those and being able to rely on them for all the things has been amazing. Plus having everything in one place has made being a new mom just a little bit easier for me. So I know we're all focusing on our families, our health, hopefully our jobs and everything in between, but It's time to make your life a little easier. And to help you out, I've curated all of my essentials from Macy's for you and the whole fam. All the details are in the show notes below, or you can just click the link in the description to get your hands on them too. I have some new picks on there. This little bomber jacket, this little black dress. You're gonna love it. All right, friends, let's talk about something we all do. Snack. Trust me, I've definitely overindulged in the past, but as you know, I am focused on my health these days. And I think I found the healthier snack that you don't have to lose out on the flavor. And it's definitely become my go-to. It first came into the house because of Kevin. He was obsessed with wonderful pistachios. And then I got addicted. And now it's in my travel bag. I don't leave home without it. It's in our glove compartments because they don't melt. Right now, my favorite flavor is the sweet chili flavor. It feels like some of the naughtier kind of snacks I used to use where I used to lick my fingers after. Now I lick them and I feel safer. Um, Plus, Wonderful Pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts. Each one ounce serving has six grams of protein, giving you over 10% of your daily value. That's crazy, guys. So if you're looking for the perfect snack, trust me and head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com to snag a bag of Wonderful Pistachios. You're going to love them. I remember my mom always struggling with her hair. It's Frizi Maria, my mom would say in her Greek accent. Tiehis, what do you have? I tried so hard to find her products. I wish I could share these products I'm using now with her because I know she would be so happy to finally have good hair days. I've always believed that hair is a woman's best accessory. And with Way's new anti-frizz cream, you can ensure that your hair always looks its best without the frizz stealing the spotlight. It's a lightweight cream that not only provides immediate frizz control, but also helps prevent heat damage. And get this, it lasts up to 72 hours. That's three whole days of frizz-free, gorgeous hair. Way seriously has some of my favorite products for taming the frizz. Pro tip, one of my biggest discoveries is using the Way hair oil on the ends of my hair before I dry it. Let me tell you, it's a game changer. Once it's dry, my hair looks so smooth and polished. I don't even need to do anything else. It is incredible. I love it. Frizz free up your schedule with Way. Go to the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com and enter the promo code Heel Squad for 15% off any product. That's the Way, T-H-E-O-U-A-I.com, promo code Heel Squad. Trust me, you won't regret it. I'm so excited to have you here in studio, oh, by the way. Thank you so much. I'm excited to be here. Um, so let's talk about dating and and kind of, you know, where are we at in the dating world now in 2023? Like how has it changed from when you were dating and 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 how do we kind of go in that in that way and and be advised and according to the times? I think that dating has changed for the better or for the worse, depending on what your strengths are. So I think that if your major issue before was figuring out if somebody was single or not, that's a huge pain point, right? Like you're not really good at going up to somebody and being like striking up conversation. Dating apps have really changed that where you now have a space to go where you can just automatically know everybody here is available. 
But if you're somebody who doesn't do well with a lot of selection and abundance can really overwhelm you, I think it can be a negative market for you. Mm. But it depends. I look at it a lot like too. Dating is the same, right? It's the same sort of general function like driving. Driving hasn't changed a lot, but the cars are getting updated. There's a lot more buttons. They go fast. You can do a lot more things. But if you don't know the basics of driving, you're still going to get in that and feel completely overwhelmed. So for a lot of people, their skills haven't really improved, but the car and the vehicle in which they can get there has gotten more and more fancy with more bells and whistles. So I think that dating is everything everywhere all at once, kind of depending on where you're at. But if you meet it where it's at and you learn the technology and you really lean into your strengths, I think that this is the best time to date. So can you still date without the apps or is that a lost cause? If you're good, 100%. Okay, so how do you be good? You know, (laughs) strike up conversations with people, compliments, um, flirt, using IOIs, indicators of interest. So if you know what you're doing, you know how to work a room and you're somebody, I always hate the saying that, oh, love comes to you when you're not looking. It's like love comes to you when you're not looking, but when you're fully living, So when you're not looking and not doing things, not engaging in hobbies, not engaging in philanthropy or community work, and you're just in your house all day, love's not going to come in the form of your Uber driver. It might. Um, But for majority of people, love comes when you're not looking, but you're expansively living. You're volunteering at places that you're really passionate about. So people who have shared values are in your circle and orbit all the time. Tell me more. But no, but that's like such an obvious thing that I don't understand why people don't get. You have to go where your people are, right? If you are somebody who's into health and wellness, go to the yoga classes and go to the, you know, those kind of retreats. That's where you're going to meet the people that are going to vibe with you or you're going to vibe with them. 100%. And I had a book called Game of Desire. And in it, we talk about really getting clear about what you're looking for, similarly to looking for a job. You got to find the best site for what you're looking for and specifically what role. And so what I used to do when I was dating even is I would like mark, kind of just get like an archetype of who I was looking for. And then I would drive to that neighborhood. So if I was looking for somebody who was like, oh, probably in the financial district based on that, or maybe they were an engineer, I would drive to a local firm, sit outside, no put way. my dating apps to zero miles per hour, and then no swipe way. in that yeah area. If you're looking for a fireman, pull up beside a fire station, put your uh, mile radius on zero, and start swiping there. Stop it. I always thought about it for my single friends, like when I'm at UCLA. I'm like, there's all that big outdoor area you can sit I'm like, why wouldn't you just go have lunch there and and meet somebody? Because they're all there. You can meet them or just if you're shy, put your dating apps on, put that mile radius all the way down, and then you're going to find people who are in the location who likely have similar values or interests or looking for somebody who has a higher education. You're likely to find that in that general vicinity. I like that because I think... You know, it's it's easy to say, go strike up a conversation. And even someone like me who is very outgoing and, and pretty confident, I think it still would be hard maybe. But for somebody who isn't, it's like, how do they do it? And I love the idea that you can just put your app on and, and see if someone... Just a little silent swipe. Someone yeah. comes to you. Right. Right? Or I guess at the same time, you could put your dating app on and then like them... I don't date. I haven't dated in 
25 years. So I'm very out <laughs> You're of doing this. pretty good. I'm like, uh, once you, you can, put the app, you could do this. You can switch on them. You yeah. mean swipe. It's fine. Um, <laughs> but no, it is that. I think it's leaning into what your strengths are, knowing who you are, meeting yourself where you are and being clear about your goals. Dating can be a lot of fun if you lead with that. I think also I always tell people whenever you get to that space where you start feeling negative about dating, you know, dating sucks, dating is trash, dating is hard. Go back to the basics. This is an activity where a complete stranger is investing time, energy, and resources often in you just to see if there's something magical between you. That's kind of cool. Yeah. Well, they're doing it back. It's not just you. Right. And I think that's a really interesting point is it's so easy to say, oh, this is such a time suck for me, whatever. But they're doing the same thing. Yes. They're trying as well. And they're like, let's see if there's magic. Like we're meeting mm. today um, and we're doing it for a podcast, right? We have like a specific like goal and it's a short-term exchange that we have. But imagine we're like, let me just see if you're my best friend. Yeah, yeah, Do you know how many best friends I've gotten on the show? <laughs> <laughs> I had Gabby Bernstein sitting on my, my couch and she goes, we're going to be best friends. Like the, the second the interview started, I go, okay, cool. Like, let's do it. <laughs> but it's true. Yeah, it's a, it's a really beautiful process. So I think that if you kind of stick with the beauty of it, yes, there's some cringy moments, but that's what makes group chats fun too. I've had other dating kind of coaches or experts on the show say that, uh, a Zoom before a first date or a FaceTime before a first date is really important. Do you agree with that? I do agree with that. I think yeah. the pandemic gave us that gift too, is that it slowed down the dating process and it made it, um, date or burnout is the thing that you want to avoid at all costs. You want to remain optimistic and excited because let's be honest, most people are not good actors. So if you're going on that date, like, God damn, another date, I don't want to do this. I don't want to talk about my favorite color, my favorite meal again. You have that energy. <laughs> yeah. It's going to come across. So that light in your eyes, that enthusiasm, that excitement, you have to protect at all costs. In order to do that, you have to ensure the dating process is as least harassing for you as possible. So going on a date with somebody who you know in the first millisecond is not your person could be avoided with a FaceTime. Okay. Well, if you didn't do the FaceTime, and now you found yourself in that situation, knowing that you have to protect that light in your eyes, how do you get out of it? There was a show that I watched recently where the girl was like, I have a bar I go to. It's a wine bar. I go there at 8 p.m. They start packing up the chairs at around 9.30, like, and clockwork. They don't care who's there. They're putting the chairs on the table. So going somewhere that has, you know, you have a bit of control, maybe, you know, the doorman or something, and he can give you a symbol and you can you know, oh my God, my friend is having an emergency. He can come over and say something, whatever it is. You mm-hmm. can get your space. I used to go to Tender Greens all the time because you buy your own food. So there was not an investment. I didn't feel like I had to like, oh, well you paid. So I have to invest in you. I knew where there was good parking there and it was cafeteria style eating. So once we bought our food and we were done, there was not a need to linger. Yeah. So at worst case scenario, I went to Tender Greens, which I love Tender Greens. And I sat with somebody for 25 minutes. So that was how I protected my time. Yeah. Well, sitting there till 930 would suck all of my energy out and the light would (laughs) definitely drain out. But I I do think that you could have a situation where you have a friend that knows to call you 20 minutes in. And in that moment, if it sucks, you can say, oh my God, it's an emergency. I got to go. If it's great, you can say, hey, let me call you back. Yes. (laughs) That would work for me. That's a hack. (laughs) That's a good one, I think. Yeah. Um, You were talking about earlier when you were dating you would go towards those neighborhoods. Um, what other things did you do and, and did that lead you to your partner and, and you know? Kind of yes and no. I met my partner through a mutual friend. So 
That's I met when I did online date though. I met uh, amazing men, mm-hmm. and one of them styled my engagement shoot afterwards. One of them I buyed, I bought art for for myself and my husband's first apartment together. No yeah, like a couple of them, like I've worked with wow. for a number of times. Actually, when I did AfterBuzz TV, that's my first introduction to you years and years ago. Uh, there was a guy that I was dating who was a virgin and he did Jane the Virgin the after show with me. I didn't host it, but a friend of mine did. So I was like, oh my gosh, you're a virgin. Come, let's do this. Like I've collaborated with them in the many projects. So because my filter filtration system was really good, even if I wasn't meeting the one, I was meeting really, really great individuals who I could do one-offs with or have great experiences with. So I loved my experience with online dating, but ultimately I met my husband through a mutual friend. How long till you met him? Um, after I started looking, Mm -hmm. it was a really big shift. I think for me, um, in 2009, is that right? I wrote my first book that was called laid. And if laid in essence was a book for me to help me get out of a shitty teen sex life, a shitty sex life period, I had really negative sexual experiences, was looking for something to teach me and to lift me up. So I was like, I wrote that book for others, but I really wrote it for myself. And in 2019, I put out a book called The Game of Desire. And that, in essence, was similarly a reflection of me trying to figure out how do I get better at dating? How do I get better at connecting? Because this thing should be joyful, but it's really, really painful and it's uncomfortable and it's arduous. There's no flow to it. So I learned a bunch of stuff. I reorganized the way that I thought about dating, how I thought about myself and approached it differently and thought, wow, I can pass this information on. So I think when I made that switch um, between starting to date again with a new approach and meeting my husband probably six months. Wow. Yeah. What were their negative sex experiences? I'm so curious. Oh my gosh. The gamut, you know, just no orgasms, no connections. Some cases, you know, it was just all the, I think I ran the gamut, you know, in my early years of just the typical, really unfortunate, unplanned, out of control, the kind of sex where you wake up the next day and you're like, oh, all the time. Wow. You know that feeling? I, I don't. But you don't know that feeling? No. Maria. No. You ain't never had that. Of, God damn. I've only feeling. been with two people. <laughs> wow. Good for you. Technically one, but you don't count the first one technically because whatever. But um, I wouldn't know I, technicality, but we can move past it. <laughs> um, I... I think I just heard a celebrity say that she just had her first orgasm in her early 40s or something like that. Yes. I forget who it was. But it was Rachel Bilson. Rachel Bilson. Okay, I thought so. And and I don't know, maybe I'm off on the age. Maybe it was late 30s. No, or you're right. Was it? Yeah. 40s? Mm-hmm. Okay, so I don't understand how that's possible. But you obviously have gone through it too. Mm-hmm. So then that means a lot of people have gone through that. I was orgasming by myself pretty early. But not with Not with a partner. a partner. Yeah. With a partner. I can't remember what age that happened for me at. But, you know, I started sex education around 19 because I wanted to turn things around for myself. So I'd probably say somewhere around 22 or 23. I'd gone through a period of celibacy while I just wanted to relearn. Um, but, yeah, it definitely took an oper- a stop down and then a reconfiguration of how I thought about sex especially because I thought about sex. So sex starts with a hard penis and ends with a flaccid penis and good luck to you in between there. And then I learned (laughs) that there's a lot more um, that that word can be ironed out to, to accommodate people with vulvas and their needs. Whoa. So it sounds like you were just hitting the jackpot. Well, I don't think in the first situation, 
but that was very quick and it wasn't, I, I met, I met Kevin very soon after. Um, but yeah, no, Kevin <laughs> heel squad <laughs> is getting very personal. <laughs> Kevin hosts the show on Fridays. Um, yeah, Kevin's great. <laughs> like there's never, he's like, you're so spoiled. My other girlfriend's. Didn't have the same experiences all the time. And I'm like, well, I don't think there'll ever be a time where there will never be equal opportunity here. So, you know, unless I'm exhausted and don't care, and I will tell you, (laughs) there's no point in it going one way. That's amazing. So he got it right from the jump. But did you know your own body to begin with to help guide? I think so. That's great. Yeah, I think so. Um, but what do you do if you're in that situation, but you love somebody and but you don't feel like you're having that experience? I mean, first you take the control into your own hands and you start educating. If you know how to orgasm yourself, that's a big percentage of it. About five to 10% of women are anorgasm or people with vulvas are anorgasmic. They can't orgasm. And majority of that usually speaks to people who are postmenopausal. So that to say that isn't that most women can't orgasm during sex is that they don't orgasm during vaginal penetration, which is how society pegs a lot of um, straight sex. So you can, if you have outer clitoral stimulation or you figure out other erogenous zones that really work for you, 95% of women have another erogenous zone that's aside from their genitals and about 15% can orgasm from that. Meaning people can orgasm from nipple play, from Mm -hmm. ear play, you said, mm-hmm, like, you know what yeah. I'm talking about. <laughs> Let us know, Maria. Everything works. <laughs> I have a Nostril lot of options. <laughs> Nostril? No, I mean, yeah. Oh, my God. I mean, what? mind you, you can orgasm in your sleep, right? So the possibilities are infinite when you can tach it, tap into that pleasure center. It's just an orgasm really is a release of sexual tension that leads to a lack of sexual frustration. And so for some people, that's, it's all the things that, you know, we've seen on TV and for some people it's just no longer feeling a deep desire to be sexually stimulated. So that might be a back rub that gets you to an orgasm, but that doesn't mean that that orgasm is equivalent to what you might receive from vaginal or from clitoral stimulation. Wow. And isn't it healthy to have an orgasm? Yes. Like it's good for your health. It's great for your heart. It is great for your skin. It's actually good for your immune system. I'm getting over a long I have, I'm always getting over something I got two small kids um buckle up honey I'm not looking forward to oh that my part. gosh you gotta you gotta do it though it's like the initiation because whether you do it I in know, daycare I'm old now it I don't, sucks I don't go through it at 44 it sucks. actually I'll be 45 but you maybe you maybe because your kid won't maybe if your kids don't go to daycare you may not do it until they're five years old I don't want and then you do when they go to school either. can there we, we go. homeschool them yeah, so, so that we don't just have to keep them with away this? from other kids other kids are just goobery I've had enough health issues yeah it's 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 rough out here but we're getting over something right now. And so we're goobery and like, you know, every orifice is oozing. And I'm like, okay, tonight's the night. And he was like, why? I'm like, it's good for our immune system. Buckle up, honey. Um, That's funny. So it, yes, it, there's so many incredible health benefits to engaging in sex. That includes orgasm. Mm-hmm. Uh, most of the benefits do specify for people who are orgasming during sex. But that isn't to say you can't get those benefits from other places too. So, okay. What dating apps do you like? I like the dating apps that meet 
someone's general criteria. I'm Bumble sex and relationship expert. So I really okay. should say I do love Bumble. It's a women's first app. They are constantly listening. They're a great listening app. They're like, what do you want? What do you need? And let's build um, platforms and devices and ways for you to learn. And they're very honest about what it is that they're doing. And so you can always figure out how to make Bumble work for you versus the other way around. However, Bumble is a big app, right? So it's if you're a little bit more clear on what you're looking for, I think a small niche one is really nice too. A farmer's only, uh, it's just salad. Like there's a lot of ones that- It's just salad? Yeah. Is it a dating app? Yeah, I think it is. I I don't know if it still exists, but it was a dating app that was matching people based on their salad choices. Yeah. And it was like, it's just kind of of funny. It's kind of funny. Yeah. I like that. And the kind of person who would be on that. Yeah. Maybe in your quirky fun. Exactly. Yeah. And farmers only. Right. So it just depends if you're like, if you're a vegan and it's very important to date a vegan looking for apps that are a little bit smaller. If you are queer looking for apps that are queer focused and that obviously people there have more sensitivities. So I'm very big, you know, go to the big ones. I think you should have a bumble running at all times just for the catch all because a lot of people are there, but find a couple niche ones too. What if you don't, <clears throat> excuse me, what if you're somebody who's totally against apps? What is your advice for them to find love in 2023? I think you gave the best advice. Get okay. out there, <laughs> you know, do the things that you like doing and do them in public. It doesn't have to be, you know, in person. You can do them virtually too and meet people. What if you work a lot? Um, well, I think then you got to find some time for hobbies and joys and balance or meet somebody at work. Um, but yeah, I think you lean into the things. Don't you get canceled now for that? What? Not working? (laughs) Don't you get canceled for finding someone at work? Oh, I guess. (laughs) Well, if you work, uh, yeah. (laughs) It's kind of tough. It is kind of tough. I think they have to technically be an equal. You want to find an equal, but maybe it's not somebody in your office. Maybe it's somebody who like you liaison with or something. Yeah. But um, yeah, I think that you just do the things that you enjoy doing. You lean into them and you be very kind and let people know you're single. So that's a big one, too. If you are honest and you say like, oh, I'm, you know, I'm looking for people. Oh, I actually met somebody at this meeting. I met somebody who would be great for you. Like, Mm -hmm. it's always great, you know, meeting through a friend who knows you very well. One, it's a great barrier for ghosting because adding a layer of accountability, the problem with dating apps that often happens to people is because I'll never see you again. doesn't matter. I'll never see you again. And I don't know anybody in common with you. So when you have somebody who is a layer of accountability, it does just make it a little bit less tempting to be a shit bag or mm-hmm. to just to get ghost somebody altogether. Okay. This is very random, but it popped into my head because she got ghosted. Do you watch <laughs> Do you watch Darcy and Stacy on TLC? No. Okay. It's a spin-off of 90 Day Fiance, my favorite television show. Literally, oh my God, you need to be watching this. This is the greatest social experiment <laughs> in dating ever on television. I can't even believe I'm saying this out loud. I didn't even make the connection. I got to watch it. You're going to die. It's going to be appointment viewing for you and your husband. I am in bed with my husband and I'm smashing him. I'm like, what are we watching right now? This is unbelievable. So just trust me. But anyway, so one of the stars, I call her the Julia Roberts of this franchise, has her own show now with her sister. They're twins. And she hired a matchmaker. And the matchmaker set her up with this guy, Cicero. And he's, yeah, he stood her up 
and she was upset and, you know, all this stuff happened. Anyhow, she found him online with another girl and she got upset and she, you know, made her voice heard. And so she had a meeting with the matchmaker after and was like, listen, like I'm paying you to match me with people. And this guy stood me up and that's totally unprofessional and whatever. And then the matchmaker proceeds to tell her that she needs therapy, that she's bad in all of these things and just was so negative about her as a person. And she handled it with grace. I was really impressed actually. Um, and, and as she walked away, the, the matchmaker was kind of shit-talking her. It was just really, really bad. Um, and so I guess do you like matchmakers and do you, um, do you think that people have to do work on themselves before they start dating? Because I think that there's elements of that if you've had failed relationship after failed relationship that might be true. Like what I saw on that show, she was really cruel and nasty and didn't need to go about it that way. But, the matchmaker? Or? Yeah, the okay, matchmaker. Yes. But I do see the elements underneath where somebody still has some work they have to do. There's healing that needs to be, um, that needs to take place. Yeah, I think that there, I mean, there's a mix of both because I do feel like we're in the self-help culture. And so I met somebody once and they're like, show me their nightstand. It was like 60 books of like how to love yourself, how to be by yourself, how to masturbate yourself, how to enjoy yourself. And then they're like, okay, I'm ready for a partner. And it's like, well, you're ready to partner with yourself. Um, you know, and (laughs) there's a thing called reciprocal determinism, which means that who I am is in reflection to who you are to me. So I can't prepare for a relationship if I don't have someone to relate to. So a big part of that codependent. No, I mean, like, for example, if you were really mean to me, I'd have a very different persona on the show, right? If you were very standoffish, it would impact how I interact with you. Okay. And so that's just everybody. Whoever, if I met your dog and it growled at me, I'd have a different interaction. So that is to say that there's no such thing as a complete person to be complete for the one, because if you don't know who the one is, you don't know what that relationship's going to call out of you or need from you. Mm. And so you do, there's an element of, you just have to be with people and be in reflection of people and be mindful of yourself and have self insight. Um, and that's how you learn. So I never tell anyone like, you're not ready for love. Like you're too broken for love and you'll be surprised. It is not ideal when you meet somebody who heals you, because if that person leaves and if you don't know what they did to heal you, then you've got that same gap still there and you can become codependent in those ways because you're like, I need you to feel good about myself. That's never healthy, but you can meet somebody who genuinely does teach you how to love yourself. Um, So there's like a 50-50 there. Yes, you want to do the work and yes, you want to be aware, but also you are lovable and deserving of love at every stage of your life. Um, It is a matter of like, I gave this analogy to the girls I work with, like everybody goes with something, right? Like with cooking, right? Like you can find, everything pairs with something, but like, are you garlic or are you turmeric? right? Mm-hmm. Are you, you can go in any dish, like you're cool. Like you've worked on yourself, like you're malleable, like you're flavorful. You can flow, you can mix, you can get in there. Or are you turmeric? Whereas like there's three dishes that you can really work with or else it's just too strong for other people. And if you are turmeric and you're cool with that, just be cool with knowing you have to work a little bit harder to find your pairing. But if you are garlic, it'd be a lot easier for you to figure out a good relationship that you can thrive in. Wow. I like that. And I, I like... 
I like that everyone's lovable and deserving of love at every stage of their life. And look, I've had turmeric ice cream. It was delicious. Turmeric so. ice cream? I did. Yes, I did. Really? Yeah. Interesting. Okay. So there we go. You know, right. you just Trader Joe's. It's it sounds finding, like a Trader Joe's thing. It was like a, no, it was like a store. <laughs> okay. Yeah, it should be a Trader Joe's thing. <laughs> um, I'm going to go to the booth for the single ladies or, well, Kelsey's, you're single. I'm single. Carolina's not. not. Um, jump in here. It's funny because I will say I just recently deleted all my apps because I felt like the ones I was on, I was on Raya and Hinge and it, be, it was like becoming such a vanity play. And I was like, I can't freaking do this. Like based off of pictures, people would think one thing and then I wouldn't be that. And I was just like, yeah, I'm over this. But I have been like, I was at a bachelorette party this last weekend and I've been like vocally telling people that I'm like, I'm ready. I'm looking for someone. And then my good friend actually like, she was like, wait, Jenner, her boyfriend has his best friends in Venice. She was like, Kelsey, I can't believe I've never thought about this, but I've never thought that you, like you were never vocal about that to me. Anyway, so I will say like that has been so huge for me because yeah, I don't know why I felt like maybe different cities are different with the apps, but like LA apps were like, it was hard for me. So being vocal about that um, was one thing, but I will say based off of that, like now I have this guy's number and I'm like, I don't want to be too forward, but I also like want to be, what do you do there? Because I feel like women often like, it's like be forward. Don't be forward. You're being too much. Now you're like not in your feminine, let them come to you. And there's all, and it's just like, what do you do? So anyways, long, long, long thing to my question, but that's what I want to know. I like the feminine because I know everyone's like, you know, being your feminine. So it's confused. There are confusing messages. Yes. I'm like, I'm very masculine. So I'm very much like my book was a game of desire, like how to date with dominance. And yeah, that doesn't I wanted mean... to ask you, that was actually the next thing I was going to ask you about. <laughs> I don't walk up to someone and be like, can I get you a drink? It's not like that dominant. It's instead being like, I'm going to make the first move. But the first move doesn't look like, are you single? Let's go out on Friday. The first move can look like, oh, um, I love your jeans. And walking away or, oh, is, are they serving tea here? And in this case with this person, it might look like um, I'm going to be in Venice. Um, I only have an hour. I'm going to try to like, grab some really great coffee. Do you know somewhere that has a really great coffee shop that I can you know work at, get some great coffee and go about my business? Ooh, I like that. And then maybe he's like, oh, I'm free that day or maybe I'm not. or maybe, It's just something just natural. I always Casual. think one of my favorite actually bits of advice came from um, Matthew Hussey, I believe who he's really great too, but he was talking about just being, um, you're, you should just be living right. And a first date doesn't have to be like, let's make time for us. It can be me and a group of friends are going bowling on Tuesday. If you're free, you know, come by and bring some friends like you're just, so then it doesn't feel like I'm putting myself out there for you. It's like, I'm extending an invitation to the life that I'm already living. If you want to join in, mm. so that's and a it's lower a get stakes to know way. you kind of thing. Not yeah. a let's date and have higher. I think if you've gone to that place though, Kelsey, where you guys have established that there's going to be movement between the two of you and it doesn't feel awkward to be like, I'm going to be in Venice for an hour. Like, do you have time or, um, or is there somewhere great to go? But if you're kind of like, oh, is this a thing or not a thing? I think just like live and invite that person to show up. And if they don't, you're already somewhere great, people that you enjoy. So it's no loss for you. And if that happens repeatedly, then you know that the interest is not where you need it to be to move forward. So save yourself anyway. 
As a first-time mom with a baby, I'm always on the go, whether it's running errands, getting my coffee, going to doctor's appointments, or just spending quality time with little Athena. And that's why I rely on wonderful pistachios to keep me fueled and ready for anything, no matter where I am. Kevin even keeps us bag stashed in the nursery. you know, for the nighttime hunger moments. Wonderful pistachios comes in a variety of flavors and sizes, making them the perfect snack to have literally any time, whether I'm enjoying them during a quick break in between taping this show or I'm on the go and it's in the diaper bag. I do carry it in my travel bag and they're in my car. At this point when I'm leaving the house, I think keys, wallet, wonderful pistachios. (laughs) Bonus, wonderful pistachios is one of the highest protein nuts with six grams of protein in every one ounce serving. So on top of all that, They keep me feeling satisfied. I'm energized while I'm juggling all this crazy stuff in life. Next time you're looking for a convenient and guilt-free snack, head over to www.wonderfulpistachios.com and stock up on your favorite flavors today. Minus the sweet chili. I really love that. I love that too. I love the coffee in Venice idea. Like, because he, his, the, you have to think of what they're going to say next. Mm. I mean, that's like an interview skill too, right? So if you say that you're giving him the opportunity to say, you know what? I have the best coffee place. Let me show you. Love that. And and now it's like he's he's got the opportunity to right. say yay or nay. He can do whatever he wants from there, but you're giving him a window. Mm-hmm. And it's casual. And it's like something like that, like that's comfortable to me. I'm like that. I'm like, okay, easy. Because like you said, Jen, it's like I'm fitting you into my life. Take it or leave it. But like now I've put the first thing forward. Are you going to reciprocate? And I think that that's like, I like that a lot. Because yeah. we get in our heads a lot. I, I know think I do. Don't cancel your plans for dating is a huge Ooh. one for when you're for starting out with somebody. What do you mean? Like people are like, how much, how soon, how fast, how this? It's like you should already have a full life. So you should look for natural windows where you can connect with that person. Don't cancel your plans. Don't not call your mom. Whatever you normally do, like that person, then it should be logical. Like, oh, yeah, actually on Tuesday I have time at this time or Oh, it's like 5 p.m. Like for me, like I'm driving to pick my kids up from daycare. Now I can call somebody. So I don't have to like obsess over when's the right time or if it's too much too soon. I'm just living Mm. and looking for natural time slots. And if I find that I've got a lot of time and I'm like, I'm trying to fill it with somebody else, that could also be a marker for you to pick up some interests and hobbies and develop some other outside relationships because you could be treading into the, the dangerous zone of codependency, even if it does work out. Oh my God. I feel like my schedule is so open. Well, right now for other reasons, but I was like, oh, should I be filling my schedule up? But I think the other part of this in the self-help world too, is we're always trying to take away because we're, we're burnt out or we're exhausted and we're trying to have less. Like I won't schedule anything in my calendar for personal life. And it's a problem because then I'm like sad. Cause I'm like, well, how come I don't do anything? But I also, if I see something in my schedule, I get anxiety about it. I'm like, oh my God, I have to wake up. I have to go do this on Saturday. I love seeing nothing. And then when I have nothing, I'm like, what am I doing? (laughs) (laughs) But then I guess it's a part of it too, being like, I'm going to sit in the nothingness. Yeah. I'm going to challenge myself to like not feel like I have to call somebody or I have to do something. I mean, I have two small kids. My whole entire life is scheduled to the minute. It is like insane. Um, That's why I'm thinking one might be a good thing for me. (laughs) Yeah. I'm hoping that it's like an investment plan. And then like when they turn five, they cancel each other out. But who knows how it works? Well, and it's nice when they have each other. It makes it easier from everything I've heard too. Or it could not. I mean, that's something you'll be open to the curiosity. I think it's a big thing for me in life in general and dating into too. It's like leaving space for blank pages. We're so 
excited to finish the book mm-hmm. and we want to know how it ends. So we start writing it and making assumptions rather than just being like, let's just leave some space to see where this goes. Cause yeah. you don't really know. Well, that's the cool part of the journey. Yes. Cool and scary. For everything in life, whether it's your career, um, you know, we all want everything now, but then what's going to happen after? Like you have to, it's like, that's the beauty of it is that climb is the hustle is every stage of that journey, whether it's having a kid or, you know, a new relationship or your career, all of that is the the cool part. Once you arrive, then it's like a whole other set of things. You got to find someone else. We're humans. Yeah. We always got to be working on something. Yeah. The iPhone can't just be the iPhone. We need the iPhone 17. Yeah. We're going to keep growing. Keep updating it. Yeah. Their John Mayer and Call Her Daddy podcast is such a great listen if you haven't listened to it. No way. It's so, I just adored him. I loved it because it was like going on a date with John Mayer. He's so much though. He was, he was amazing oh my God. in Tell his. us your stories, Maria. I can't. I oh, can't. do you know him in real life? <laughs> yes, he's lovely, but he talks a lot. I get the vibes. Oh my God. Yeah. Maybe yeah. that's why podcasts are good. Yeah. Like you get just what you need and then you're like, oh, it's over. Yeah. The, they're he's putting lovely. tables on the chairs. I say that again. He's lovely, but yeah. He's, he's a chatter. He's, but I mean, he's very smart. And so I, you know, he has a lot of cool things to say, but yeah. And he wants you to know all of them. <laughs> I know those types. Yeah. (laughs) But he Um, said this thing I thought was so freeing for people. And he's like, don't get so obsessed. Even in the social media era, we need to make sure 500,000 people like us and think we're good. He's like, back in the day, you need eight people just to be like, you know, Maria is a great person. Maria is okay in life. Your mom, your dad, your brother, your sister, whatever it is, eight people that you focus on to be mm -hmm. like, their opinion of me matters. And when it comes to love, you only got to meet one person. Who's willing to do this thing with you? You know, if you believe in monogamy and long-term commitments. So we put all this pressure to acquire so much attention and praise and connection. But if you just pare it down and less, it becomes a lot less stressful. Yeah. Like Kelsey, you only got to meet one person. That's it. Yeah. When it comes to your career, you got to convince like 50 people each week you're okay. I know. With love. I got to meet one. That's nothing. So what do you think about monogamy? I am non-monogamous. I'm monogamous and I always like hum and ha on that because I'm monogamous in practice just by circumstance of my life. But I think my natural state is non-monogamy and that's what I think about it. How do you explain that? I think that I've always been somebody who's, I mean, I talk about sex and love for a living because I love these things. I love the feelings. I love the connections. I'm curious about them. And so I think that that curiosity has always been in me. And I've done my best in monogamous partnerships and I can work in it, but I think I work best in a structure that's a bit more expansive and fluid and accepting of my more flirtatious nature and accepting of the possibility that I might want to experience another connection that doesn't take away from the way I feel about my primary partner. Like my husband is my life partner. That's it. Like we're ride or die. We're locked in. Like that's my person. That's my boy. That's my man. That's my best sexual partner. That's my honey. Um, but damn, if I go to Starbucks and I meet John Mayer or you know what I mean? Not yeah. John Mayer. He's not at Starbucks. But wherever I go, and if I feel a connection with somebody, I want to have the personal agency to decide if that's something I want to explore more. So monogamy is amazing for people whom, for them, they only have eyes for their partner. And for them, um, fidelity and sexual exclusivity and romantic exclusivity is a big reason why they even partake in commitment. Like that's, the you know, we do this so that we can ensure that we have safety in this particular way. Monogamy is amazing for them. I don't define safety that way. So I don't need it for me. So what are 
if I can ask, what are parameters for you um, in exploring that relationship with somebody you just met at Starbucks? We're a really boring, open relationship couple. I wish we were more exciting. We often talk about this because, <laughs> you know, my husband also works in entertainment. He's like working on a, a project right now too. And they, they want us to like have all these conversations and talk about it. But we're like, we're really like, it's more like if you did and when you do, and if that happens and come talk to me and this is your life, it's your body, it's your decision. I love your decision making. I fell in love with you, not just for who you are, but for who you decide to be in each moment. And so my husband is somebody and I am also somebody who even in the face of openness, we're not going to like, hey, how you doing, babe, to every third person on the street. So yeah, I think yeah. it's a big part of it, too, is that our natural flow is that we don't want the restriction. But that doesn't mean that um, given freedom, we're going to be reckless and make you know, multiple muddy decisions. So I think that for us, it's all in theory. So we're kind of a boring couple to talk to in those ways. But I know that having that option is very important to me and it's very important to him. And when we engage, I'll come back and tell you what happens next. So interesting to me because I, I've always thought that it's really hard to assume, especially on the male side, that you can just be with one person forever. Um, you know, men have an external organ that is very hard to control. And so I've always been like, I just don't get this. Um, and then also when I hear what you're saying, I, I can understand cause I'm a very flirty person myself. Um, I can understand that it's important to not block feelings, right? So you meet someone, you have some little, little connection, little chemistry and like you know, and I've had that for sure. Um, I've definitely kept it at arm's length, but my husband has been wonderful and accepting of the fact that I need to be me and I need to be that butterfly. And so, you know, I have a party on my tennis court and I'm diving onto any of my guy friends that I see and wrapping my body around them and loving them. And he's okay. Cause he knows <clears throat> there's not going to be a line that cross gets crossed. Cause I won't do that. That's your satisfaction. Yeah, but I, I met him when I was 19. And so he, he's my whole adult life has been with one person. If he had ever been jealous and insecure and didn't allow me to have male friends or be me, which is a very flirty human, it would never have worked. So I understand what you're saying. I know it's hard for people who um, are maybe of an older generation to understand that whole concept, um, or, you know, if people are really, you know, conservative about, conservative about relationships, but I think stifling a person is so bad. Yes. And I think that's why consensual non-monogamy is a friend to monogamy. I think a lot of people who are monogamous look at it as a threat. It is a friend because all we're saying is, Hey, everybody trying to stuff yourself in this box who really doesn't fit and you're actually going to secretly burst out between the hours of 2 a.m. and yes. 5 a.m., Yes, you don't have to lie anymore. Live in your truth, live in the light, be over here, and allow people who genuinely are, because what you're describing is monogamish, according to Dr. Jess O'Reilly. And that's essentially, she's like, look, me and my husband are never going to have sex with somebody else or yeah. date somebody else or have secret conversations with their people. But if I'm at a restaurant with my friends, I can flirt with the waiter. And that's not betraying my partner. Yes. Maybe he can go to the strip <clears throat> club. That's not betraying our partner. We're never going to have, you know, cross that barrier where there's actually any um, feeling of like, is this going somewhere? But we may play and yeah. that's okay in our relationship. 
And so beyond that might be somebody who's open. And I'm like, I could go on a date. My husband, you can go on a date. Beyond that, it could be somebody who's polyamorous, who's like, me and my husband have a girlfriend or I got another boyfriend. So there's levels to it. And if you think about the where you're at and what feels good for you, even if beyond that feels uncomfortable, you can be like, okay, well, I can think about the person who's a step behind me might be uncomfortable with what I'm saying. And so then you can kind of give empathy in that way and just acknowledging that different commitment structures work for different people. And the more options that there are for people, the less people lying and denying and falsifying to be in a structure that they really can't be a good person in. So interesting. And I'm, <clears throat> I've never heard anybody really talk about it like that. Um, because if I really look back, I did go on dates with people <laughs> inadvertently, like without thinking about it, I was meeting so many different people. John Mayer and I went to Johnny Rockets. <laughs> we need more of this John Mayer story. John Mayer and I went to Johnny Rockets. I interviewed him for entertainment tonight and we were just chatting after and we're like, let's go get some food. Technically that's kind of a date. It's not, I'm not saying I dated John Mayer, by the way, friends, like I'm not at all, but I, I know how other people could classify a lot of situations I was in with people. Was there a lovely vibe that you just enjoyed that warmed you? I just like getting to know people. And also it's a very small business. And when I meet somebody and I have, you know, a smart conversation with them or I think they're interesting, I want to know more. And I love creating, you know, um, more community and having more friends. So for me, it was always like, oh, this might be a cool friend. Um, it was never, oh, I might go date this person or have sex with this person. That's never been the case. But as I, you know, there have been some moments with basketball players where we're like, oh, let's, let's get together. I'm like, okay, cool. And I go out and I think, I realize they think something's about to happen. I'm like, oh no, no, (laughs) (laughs) no, 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 not at all. We're friends. We're going to be friends. And then, you know, and then the dynamic changes luckily. And I'm like, I'm going to be such a better friend to you than I ever would anything else. Just trust me. Um, And I've actually gained a lot of long-term amazing friendships and, and there were moments where Kevin would see me sad and be like, you need to go see this person. And it was a guy. He's like, go. He always makes you feel better. And it was never a sexual thing. It was always just somebody who saw me. Yes. And so it wasn't just Kevin seeing me. It was somebody who I respected, who was powerful and successful that was going to see me and fill that inside of me. Because, you know, you can take your partner for granted. You can take your mom for granted. You can take your dad. Okay, you guys are just saying that because you love me. But when someone outside of you sees you in that kind of big way, um, it's really helpful. But, again, that takes a very special kind of guy, I think, to be like, go see him. Well, right. You found the person for you who yeah. they respect and they love that about you. You know, like, um, I love that my husband is flirty. I love that about him. I'm really like, it's it's a perk to me. It was really, I don't know if I'm as good with it on the other end because I don't trust guys as much as I trust myself. I was like, I, <laughs> I can, I know where to draw the line. I know. <laughs> and I know I can hold it together. I don't know if a guy with an external organ can. So I told Kevin, when we first started dating, Mike, listen, there are a million guys out there. If you feel like you're going to find somebody and there's some situation happening, call me right before, just let me know. And that's cool. But if you ever think you're going to cheat and get away with it, I will Lorena Bob at you. And I made it very clear, and he knows I'm Greek psycho, and I will do it. And I was like, just so it's all clear. I don't care. Just I just need to know yes. before, and then we're cool. We'll be friends. It's okay. There's plenty of people out there. 
<laughs> but friends mean that he knows that he crosses that boundary. That's like grounds to renegotiate the relationship. Oh, Evie yeah. calls you before and says like, yes, yes. And he knows I'm psychic and I will know he knows, or he knew like, I mean, we're past that now it's 25 years. So, um, I was like, yeah, I will know. And I will hunt you down in your sleep one night. You won't know. I will be holding it together, knowing that you did this, and I will Lorena Bob at you. <laughs> and this is why monogamy is incredible. <laughs> I know, but see, less like, people in prison. Let's do it. You watch Dateline and you see like the guy cheats and then the woman kills him or the other way around. Like, you know, if you can't have open conversations, it's it's really hard. And restricting anybody is um, is not the way. No, I mean, at the end of the day, the second that you say you're going to do something and be a certain way and you're unable to uphold your end of the bargain and you resort to lying, I don't have any empathy for you, right? So I'm no longer like advocating, well, that's not really fair because they're not truly monogamous. Like, no, like betraying people is vile. It's awful. It's horrible. It's inexcusable, especially I think in a world today where we are given more language and tools to explain different ways of committing and of trying to commit. And if you are aware that you're unable to adhere to the rules of monogamy, then don't pretend that you can. I think that that people who cheat and who cross the line and who lie and who um, betray people in that way, I just think that that's inexcusable. Yeah. Um, I want to ask you about dating with dominance. You have have tips in your book uh, on dating with dominance. And I know we talked a little bit briefly about, you know, masculinity and femininity. And I want you to go into that because I want people to understand the strength of our masculine sides, right? Because I was super masculine for a long time. And then I had to kind of get back into the feminine a little bit, but there are strengths in that. Um, so let's talk about dating with dominance and all of your tips. And, and I'm sure that whole theme kind of comes in there. Yeah, I think that I always hate the masculine and feminine conversation. So I'm trying to remember which attributes, you know, apply to each, but um, like directiveness and assertiveness and leadership. But then uh, I think femininity is also about caregiving and directing and holding space um, and having a vision and keeping things together, which is like feels masculine too, right? Like to be. Mm-hmm feminine maybe one is soft and one is harder so yeah i kind of feel like i look at it as like soft and hard yeah you know like sometimes kevin will be like you're not lovable right now because i'm so like right and he's like can you just be lovable and i'm like i can't right now but that's why i look at it as like a softer thing when you can just but the problem is with that is it almost feels like you have to um be submissive yeah, I mean, I think a big part of partnership is submissiveness. Um, it's interesting because I had this conversation with somebody on a podcast recently where they were like, in my marriage, we advocate for raw honesty, for like no holds barred, just honesty. We just say exactly what it is and how we feel. And I was like, oh, that's not my marriage at all. <laughs> my marriage is, keep it to yourself. 80% of my marriage is like, don't need to say it. No way. Keep it to myself. What, what do you hold in? What do you not like, say? don't put the kids' lunch in that way, in that order. Um, move the rugs to the left. I don't like your shirt. You know, whatever it is. Whatever thought pops in. You don't say any in, of that stuff? I don't. Oh my God, I need to learn how to do that. I guess that. I just would spend too much of my life over... Nagging. I mean, emotional no, regulation. Nagging. Yeah, there's the three temples of any good relationship <clears throat> is self-insight, emotional regulation, and then mutuality, which means two-thirds of any good relationship is 100% in your, is in your control. 100%, that's bad math, but... That to be said, emotional regulation is what we do with everybody else, 
right? Like I get around a friend. I'm not going to like dump on them and be like, why'd you pick those socks? Why are you doing this? You want to pick the salad? Why are you eating that way? You should turn left right here. We can get yeah, fashion no, this way. You're know, like, I'm going to just sit like back and just, them. it's going to work out. That's what we tell ourselves. It's going to work out. They're going to be fine. Yeah. We have a friend that we're like, that outfit's a little crazy. I got to, now I got to step in and let them know because this is going a little too far, but we exercise that side of ourselves. But sometimes in romantic relationships, we think it's like, all of me all the time, all of my thoughts, all of my feelings, and it gets dumped on the other person, even when it comes to jealousy, right? Like I put a barrier between myself and my partner. I put time, I like put a huge filter. So I'm not just like unloading any thought or feeling I have on oh them. Oh God, I unload everything on him. I don't think you do. I do. My nail broke today. Everything. No, I'm kidding. <laughs> <laughs> no, I do think I, we, we, we share everything all day, but we probably could take that back a little. Well, it depends. I mean, like I do share, like we talked about pooping in the start of this episode. That yeah, should get cut out, but here did. it is back again. Um, I talk about that with my husband. That might be considered an overshare. But if he plays something for me or makes a piece of art that's not my cup of tea, but I can see brought him joy, I might not say something then because I'm like, communication to me is less about what I want to say and more about what I want to accomplish, right? So... I try to focus Ooh. on what the goal is. And then I think are the words that I'm going to say and the feeling that I have right now in line with the goal that I ultimately want to achieve. And if it's not, I keep it to myself. Back to the packing of the lunch. <laughs> because I think that's really interesting because I look at it like we're a team. And that can be challenging sometimes because Kevin will be like, I'm not your assistant. But that's because I would be like, I would say, you, you can't put the lunch in like that. You got to do this. There's a little bit of a, you know, OCD controlling, whatever you want to call it, kind of element there yeah. where I see things in this way. <clears throat> and 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 I wonder how, how do you dial that back? How did you even know to do that? Really and truly, I knew that before I started even dating him. Um, and this is a problem for somebody who exists more in their masculine. People who are more in their submissive feminine may have the opposite problem where they don't advocate for themselves. Yes. They don't talk up enough. So they need to do the reverse. They have to really empower and embolden themselves to say something, to say some things. I don't have that problem. I could say all the things mm -hmm. and I have no problem coming up with all the thoughts. I was actually in the day I'm like, man, I would be an amazing critic. <laughs> like I can really figure out what's wrong with something like nobody else. Yeah. Like it's my superpower. So I know that about myself and I knew that actually going the big shift I made in my dating life, actually, between when dating was tumultuous and trying and hard and heartbreaking versus when it became flow and free and fun is agreeableness because I am naturally a very disagreeable person. It works great in my career. I am a woman of color who talks about sex. I put out a video yesterday on YouTube talking about getting my butt ate out for the first time. Whoa. The only way I can no do that way. is by being disagreeable. Cause I'm like society, everybody's opinion. I'm being me. This is me. I don't care. Like I'm oh a my path God, paver. I need some disagreeable in my I'm life. I'm a rule breaker. <laughs> you know, I'm the person who got into arguments with my teachers because I, I believe in my ideas and disagreeable people are inventors, but they're also really annoying and hard to get along with and really difficult to pick a restaurant with because they're always like, what about something else? So yeah. I realized that what was serving me in my career was making my romantic relationships very difficult. So I made a conscious effort to start being more agreeable. What would happen if I just didn't say anything? What would happen if I let the other person's idea be the best idea? Even if secretly I'm like, my idea is better. 
you know, what would happen if I listened before I judged? And when I started that experiment, I realized I was having a better time. And furthermore, I was gaining more because when you're always leading and you're always talking, you're not learning. Mm-hmm. Um, so when I started doing that, I saw the benefits of it. It made it a little easier. I'm sure if we had Jared on here, he would say I'm not that great at it because I'm I probably <laughs> nagged him this morning about the lunch. So I could have a long way to go, but that's my struggle. That's my fight as somebody yeah. who tends to be a bit more, I wouldn't say masculine, but um, aggressive. I love that. I think um, I'm fascinated by it because I've been really thinking about when our baby arrives what it's going to be like because you know guys are just different than us we're very detailed and they are less detailed and we're softer and you know and they're rougher right so I I can see even with the dogs the good thing is is we've had so many dogs for so long we know our rhythm we know what we do and what like I'm the diagnoser he's the administrator like he will administer the drugs and the medications whatever I know what's going wrong with them and And so we have our roles and we know who does what, but I feel like with a baby, the fear that's probably involved with a newborn and making sure everything is perfect um, because you're afraid that I'm going to be too militant with him um, in those ways where it's like, no, 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 I read the book. It's got to be like this and you didn't read it and he's going to want to stab me in my sleep. But you're right. It does work out. Like the the world keeps on rolling on with or without us controlling every little thing. But I love that you said what he's strong at. I actually had a conversation with another uh, relationship expert, Stefan Speaks, and he went on the Red Table Talk and he said a big debate that he got on there was his belief system. And I'm curious to hear what your reflection is on this, is that men should make the final decision, that ultimately women are more comfortable in relationships where men make the final decision and it creates a lot more simplicity, clarity, and flow in relationships. <laughs> that sounds like a dog needs needs their boarding so they have their rhythm. <laughs> Don't love that. <clears throat> um, I obviously have a strong voice, and I don't believe that that is the case because I don't think we're dogs that need a routine. Um, you know, dogs need their like their thing. I I think it's nice when. You aren't sure if you have somebody that you feel confident in. Like sometimes if I'm not sure and I leave the decision up to Kevin and he makes it and it feels good, I feel safe. I'm like, okay, he's always right or he's usually right. I can go with his decision. But I definitely have a say. Yes. I definitely, and sometimes it's going to go my way, but he also believes in me equally and in my decisions equally. And so... Um, there are certain areas that I feel like I'm weaker in that I believe in his decision-making better. Yes. I would say exactly that. That's where my relationship sits. That's, I think was great. We honor each other's expertise. Yes. And we actually had a situation a couple of weeks ago where somebody was over at the house asking some question. I was like being very like not engaged and he pulled me aside. He was like, are you mad? And I was like, no, he's like, you're just not really like participating in like the decision-making. I'm like, cause I just trust you a hundred percent. I'm not even like making the effort to put my brain on this because I'm like, whatever Jared thinks is best. Yeah. But I also appreciate that in return sometimes. 
Because if I know something very well and I've read the books and Mm -hmm. I've done the research, I don't need you two-bit Tommy chiming in here with your like, (laughs) here's my whim thought that I just had that I have no evidence to back it up for. And now you're muddying up a process that for me is very clear and directive and very planned and prepared for. So I think in our relationship, we're like that. You're the administer, I'm the diagnoser. Like we're very clear on where your strengths are and I love your strengths and I amplify them. I think in relationships, what gets muddy is when you start looking at your partner like you can't do anything right. Well, you don't know anything. Jim doesn't know how to do anything right. And then that's when I think you get into dangerous territory. You've got to know where you look to your partner for leadership and where you lean into them. And I think vice versa. I mean, that's where I think an egalitarian flow can work very well. Yeah. It's it's great when you know someone. Like we've been together 25 years. Like I know him so well. Where he doesn't listen to me is very frustrating. If I smell something... (laughs) I just smell it. I know. I know there's a dead animal under the house. Don't, don't deny it. And he still will deny it. I'll be like, Kevin, there's a water leak somewhere. Just trust me. Or Kevin, there's a, no, there isn't. And I know why he doesn't want to know it because he doesn't want to deal with it. Yes. And so now I know when he denies me there, I'm like, and then I call somebody and I just deal with it because I'm like, I know. I just know. And I'm like, how come after all these years, you just don't listen to me? (laughs) <laughs> but um okay i want to get the de- the the dating dominance tips um before we we wrap up if we switch out dominance with direction i think that makes it a lot more clear okay date with directiveness be clear about what you want who you want have a say in where you're looking and have a say in where you draw the line and where you open the door so it's like rather having a plan than, exactly It's not the, I think a huge issue with dating for straight women is that it's a very passive area. It's like, I'll wait for the right person to find me. I'll wait for them to call me. I'll wait for them to make the first move sexually. After sex, I'll wait to see if they call me afterwards. That's a pretty crappy position to be in. Yeah. Where you are constantly at the will of somebody else's desires. And so directiveness doesn't necessarily mean that you are directing, but you've got a vision for where things are going to go. And you got to say, maybe you have a hand in the steering wheel. I mean, you have to be in the driver's seat. That's not your comfort zone. So I think that's more it. I don't want to see women with the damsel concept because we've benefited in every area of our lives because of this directiveness. In our Mm -hmm. careers, we're thriving and we're growing. In our relationships, we're thriving. In wellness, right? Because we're saying that there's a flow happening and that flow doesn't work for me. I want to create my own. I want to get my own knowledge. I want to get more information and make my decisions for myself. And we're benefiting and thriving. So take those lessons and apply it to dating. That's how you date with dominance. I love that. This has been such a cool conversation. Um, I'm going to go back to the booth in case you guys have anything that you want to ask before we wrap up. Okay, my only last thing, which tell me if we're going to go too far into it or this will be too long. I really want you to talk about source fractures. I think that that's so, the concept of it is so fascinating. I would love you to describe what that is and then like how they play into like not only our lives, but our relationships and then also like how we can heal them or work on them. Oh, give me an example. Okay. So you were even, you were talking about this. I literally have it written down. You say a source fracture is something that happened to you years ago that stays with you. It can affect you in your daily life, but also your relationships. So it's like something... Winnie's sneezing. <laughs> it like becomes a defense mechanism. It's something like like it's like a trauma, right? But it's like yes. a part of us is like fractured, and it's like then it affects us when we date or when we, you know, 
are in a relationship and you talk a lot about that so i was like yes well that was actually i knew it was coming from that because you ever watched the, the movie westworld the tv show westworld no i didn't well, but the, i know of it the way that they controlled the robots is they would create like a source fracture or like an good origin story so something like you oh, had a kid yeah. that passed away or so whenever they wanted to control you they would pull on that vulnerability and then it would cripple you and it would stop you from wanting to grow and expand and that's what source fractures do it's something that happened that taught you something very negative about yourself or life and that thing is necessarily true forever it may have been circumstantially true and that's where i think you have to go back and heal where it's like something bad happened at this time doesn't mean that bad things are always going to happen to me someone called me ugly in fifth grade that doesn't mean that I'm ugly to everyone. And or so, ugly now. Exactly. <laughs> you might have been a little ugly right. then. I'm kidding. Going through a growth spurt or you might have. I had um, an expert on the show named Peter Crone and he was like, what you were afraid of as a young girl is not the same circumstances now. So that's that's then. That's not the Maria now. Yes. That was that Maria. This is a whole other Maria who can defend herself, who can make different decisions or be around different people or whatever. It's not the same person. So you, you, it's like, it's a whole other person. Yes. And I think that that's exactly it. It's like acknowledging that change is on a continuum and you have to go back and understand that circumstance. I know a big source fracture for me is growing up. My dad always said to me, you're somebody people have to be mean to. Like people have to be mean to you. People have to put you in your place. People can't be too nice to you because then you take advantage of them. And I believe this about myself. What does that mean? Then you take advantage of them. If you're nice to me, then I'm going to like be rude to you back. Like if you're nice, I'll be like, oh my God, Marie's annoying. You know, I wouldn't. He knew that about your personality? He's, yeah, he would tell me that a lot. And so even as I got older and I started to date, that was something I kept with me. People can't be too nice to me. So I never picked nice guys because I'm like, I can't be the nice person because if people are nice with me, then I lose respect for them and I don't tolerate them and I become very mean to them. And I met my husband who was the nicest person, like literally the milk of human kindness. And <laughs> I describe him as like pure white snow. You know, Aww. white snow, if you step in it, you're like, that's my footprint. Yeah. If you pee in it, like, oh, that's pee. If I throw a snowball, there's a snowball. Like it doesn't react back to you. You just see yourself reflected so cleanly on the surface. And that's him for me. And I had to like go back and be like, I thought I couldn't do this. And then what I realized when I revisited that is that not to go too deep, but my mom had two kids. My first one, and my mom is somebody who had kids. People have kids for two different reasons, because they want the love of a child or because they want to love an adult. And if you want the love of a child, you have a kid because there's something in you that you want filled up and you want a small person who thinks the world of you and you want that feeling. Some people um, have a kid because they're like, I just want to nurture an independent being to be a great adult. And one day I want to say, that's a cool adult that I had a hand in making. Um, and they're, I don't need them to love and need me. I don't need a hole to be filled in that way. My mom was the former. She needed kids for love. And so my sister was not very attached to her. So when I was born, she said, this one is mine. This is my kid. So consequently, I was raised to dislike my dad because my mom wanted that exclusive feeling for herself. And so I remember growing up really not liking my dad. And it wasn't until I got older into my teens, that I developed a relationship with him because I knew him as a person. And so his response to me that people can't be nice to you, people can't like you had nothing to do with who I actually was. It had to do with the way that my family dynamic was set up. 
and how our relationship was set up. So once I realized that, I could understand that criticism. I could get where being mean to my dad was actually really rewarded by my mom in many cases and why he felt that way. And then I could decide to make a change for myself. And so that's where I think source factors can come in, where it's not just a matter of dismissing something as not being true, but embracing why it was true at that time and figuring out how to not make that your story going forward if you don't want that. How did you get to that place and that understanding? Like, did you do therapy to to get to that knowing? I don't do therapy, but I engage in therapeutic mediums. So I read lots of books. I talk to lots of incredible experts and people, and I'm constantly engaging. I'm listening to audiobooks on my way here. So I love that about like Esther Perel, who's like, you know, if you have ever going to have her on this show, just let me know. I'll just be the rug for the day. Just <laughs> lay down and be a nice little Kelsey, rug. Kelsey, make it happen. Yeah, I'll be a nice little house plant <clears throat> for you. I'll be so quiet. But um, she said that where she's like, you know, we put a lot of pressure on people to go to therapy. But like instead, just think engage in therapeutic mediums. Talk therapy is not everybody's saving grace or saving point because it's really relationship based. So I haven't had the time to find my therapist who I have that great bond relationship with, but I know tons of experts and pundits who I've learned from, yourself included. Thanks. Yeah, I I like that. I've never heard somebody talk about it like that. But I think the the less we are confining people to this is the only way, the better. So engaging in therapeutic mediums. I mean, this is what we do on this show every single day. Yes, it is. Right? We get amazing experts to come in and and share their knowledge with us and then we can take little tidbits and apply them. I always say I'm just taking tools and putting it in my tool belt every day and trying to live a more harmonious life. And you're giving it out to everybody else. You gave me a tool. I'm going to eat vegetables every morning now because of you. So yeah, and you're going to poop all the time. I'm going to poop three <laughs> times a day. It's going to be amazing. So yeah, I think that's I mean, that's therapy. That's healing. That's so cool. Well, this was such a cool conversation. Um, thank you so much. We covered everything. John we Mayer, did. pooping, dating with dominance. All of it. Eating butts. <laughs> Thanks for having I me. I I love it. Thank you. <laughs> If you guys would like to know more, you can go to shamboodram.com. We'll put the link to that in the summary of this episode. And thank you so much. We'll have to do this again. This was a joy. Thank you for having me. Congratulations. Baby coming this summer. I know. We're so so excited. We're so excited to never sleep again. (laughs) And remember, be nice people, make good choices, and be present. This podcast and all related content published or distributed by or on behalf of Maria Menunos or mariamenunos.com is for informational purposes only and may include information that is general in nature and that is not specific to you. Any information or opinions expressed or contained herein are not intended to serve as or replace medical advice, nor to diagnose, prescribe, or treat any disease, condition, illness, or injury, and you should consult the healthcare professional of your choice regarding all matters concerning your health, including before beginning any exercise, weight loss, or healthcare program. If you have or suspect you may have a healthcare emergency, please contact a qualified healthcare professional for treatment. Any information or opinions provided by a guest expert or host featured within website or on company's podcast are their own, not those of Maria Menounos or the company. Accordingly, Maria Menounos and the company cannot be responsible for any results or consequences or actions you may take based on information or opinions. Hey, Heal Squad, we have been on quite the journey together, and we're hearing from so many of you just how much this show is helping you heal and get better, and it makes us feel so good. We love, love, love it, and we just ask that you don't keep it to yourself. Spread the message and share the show 
or your favorite episode with your friends. And if you want to help us even more, you can leave us a five-star rating and a comment on Apple Podcasts or Spotify and follow us on Instagram at Heel Squad. You can also DM us anytime because we love connecting with you. And finally, you can also join us on Patreon for our monthly live heel events with world-class healers and ad-free episodes exclusive only to Patreon and our Super Heel Squad for as little as $10 a month. So go to patreon.com backslash heel squad to join. Getting better isn't easy, friends, but as I say all the time, it's a whole lot easier if we can do it together. We love you all so much and we love doing this thing called life with you.